Welcome to episode 40 and the last episode of season 4 of Sharing Life Lessons. We are one spirit, one soul, and together we are creating a library of stories. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, I would like to start this 40th and last episode of season 4 with one of my favorite quotes from Rumi. Rumi says, Gratitude is the wine of the soul. Go ahead, get drunk. And so I'm going to take the liberty of getting drunk by thanking all of my listeners. We've had five over, north of 5,300 downloads so far. I want to thank all of my monthly subscribers, you have been supporting the creation of this podcast financially through the four seasons. And lastly, I have to thank the guests for giving of their time, of their personal stories, and the wonderful life lessons. So now that I am happy and drunk, let's talk about the topic for today. Today, we have a special topic and a special guest. We are going to talk about relationships personal or professional. It does not matter. And our guest for today is going to share with us her personal stories with very valuable life lessons for any kind of relationships in your life. Our guest is an executive coach, author, radio personality, online media thought leader, and speaker. She is certified in several coaching methods and is driven by a commitment to self-awareness and personal growth. She's particularly skilled in helping others clarify who they are by uncovering their strengths. Everyone, let's welcome Teresa Moore. Teresa, welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It is such an honor to have you on as a guest. It is my pleasure, Hamida. Thank you for inviting me. And let me tell you, as always, you're looking gorgeous. You are so kind. Thank you. (laughs) Teresa, tell us a bit about yourself, please. Yeah. So I work as an organization development consultant, and I've really had what I would call the privilege of working and doing OD, organization development, around the world in lots of different places. So I feel very much like a citizen of the world. And in each of those places, I have learned a lot. Of course, most of my work is here in the US, but I do like that addition of the international flavor. I also work as an executive coach and I do some keynote speaking and I have a one minute radio segment that broadcasts weekly on KYW news radio in the Philadelphia market. It does happen weekly uh, Mm -hmm. on Sundays. Interesting. Yeah on Sundays. It's called The Heart of Business. Mm -hmm. And I try to provide listeners with some kind of content that talks about an issue related to people in the work environment, because people are, in my judgment, the heart of business. Whether we are employees or customers or in leadership roles, we make business work. Thank you for sharing that with us. And before we get to your story, Teresa, I would like to know Let me rephrase that. I already know, but I would like the listeners to know where you come from, your heritage. Ah, so I am a woman of African descent. I was born and raised in the U.S., specifically in a small town in South Carolina. 
And I really grew up in abject poverty. I lived in a house that was originally a slave shack, believe it or not. And it still existed and and we lived in it. So I'm a Southerner in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. And again, have been very fortunate in my life to have had a diversity of experiences that kind of make me who and what I am today. And it's important for the listeners to know that because they can see you. And so just to give them a flavor of who it is that's talking to them. So again, thank you for that. And now we are ready for your story. Well, this is a good one. This is a story that has literally changed my life over the course of time. And when I tell you the outcome of it, you will say, this is a good idea. I'm counting on you to say that, Hamidas. <laughs> I remember to say that. Great. So this came to me at the height of frustration and exasperation with my father. Um, he was in the hospital. He was diagnosed with COPD. And I was upset because I was the person the hospital called because he and my mother were divorced. So I was his point of contact. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of the backstory to give it some context. Throughout his teens and most of his adult life, my father was a very heavy smoker, chain smoker, two packs a day, camels unfiltered. So they were the strongest, among the strongest of cigarettes. He was also an alcoholic and not the functional kind, you know, that went to work and did things. He was the not so functional kind. So by the time that hospitalization came, the one that I'm mentioning here, Mm -hmm. It had been on the back of many others. And although he had been dry for more than a decade, the truth was I hadn't forgiven him for how he was earlier in my life. Now, I loved him for sure, and I love him today. And at that time, I was also really mad at him. He had not been a responsible father and husband, and his choices really served to make our family's life very difficult, difficult emotionally, because there was often chaos and conflict in the house, you know, the kinds of fights drunk people tend to pick. Sure. Socially, it was very embarrassing and hurtful to have a father who was sometimes seen in the small town we lived in, drunk, and not functioning. And financially, it was a burden because he didn't work. My mother bore the burden of taking care of us. So I was still carrying all of that hurt and shame and anger about the earlier part of my life. So from the time the phone call came in that morning from Lower Bucks Hospital in Bristol, Pennsylvania, and I can still remember it was in the spring of 1989, through the process of getting dressed and then driving from where I lived at that time in Mount Holly, New Jersey, to the hospital in Bristol, I was fuming and I was fussing and cussing (laughs) Mm -hmm. to myself, of course, Mm -hmm. all the way to the hospital. I was angry, feeling very judgmental and resentful. And really in that moment, to some degree, hate-filled. I was just enraged. So my internal dialogue was going something like this. He did this to himself. He should have taken better care of himself. He's getting to be a burden and I don't wanna be responsible for him. He was never there when I needed a dad. He's always been too busy doing his own thing to take time for me. 
and now he needs me. So I'm supposed to stop what I'm doing and go running to help him. Well, I'm busy and I'm sick of this. My career is at its peak. I don't have time for this. So I was still carrying on this kind of repetitive vitriolic monologue in my head as I parked my car, walked to the hospital. The nurse had told me which room he was in. So I knew I walked to the elevator to take the elevator up to his room on the third floor. And as I entered the elevator door, I was stopped in my tracks and my breath caught in my throat. My heart was palpitating. I was having a spontaneous aha moment, like a very deep and important insight. And an awareness dawned on me at that moment in time that I was doing exactly what I was complaining about him having done. I was complaining about him having been too busy for me, not making me a priority, not wanting to attend to my needs in the moment. And there I was in my head doing very much the same thing. I was complaining about what he was doing. I was complaining about being too busy. I didn't want to be bothered with him. I didn't want to be burdened with the responsibility for him. And as I walked into the elevator, I heard, literally heard in my ear, you and he want the same thing. I was blown away. And for a while, it's like I got it intuitively, but it took a little processing to put it all into words. I got it energetically. I understood it energetically. I was just blown away. What he wanted was also what I wanted. And that was time and attention to feel loved and to be seen. He wanted connection and support at a time when he was feeling vulnerable. And he, like me, wanted a caring response when he reached out. We really wanted the same thing. And it was a profound moment that kind of shifted my thinking forever. And it's amazing because literally in having that awareness, pressing the button, riding up to the third floor, I instantly felt less angry and judgmental by the time I got to his bedside. I was able to see kind of in the process of <laughs> that small chunk of space and time, how I had contributed also to the tension between us and what I could do to improve our relationship. And that awakening led to an inner sense of joy and an outward sense of calm. And I felt set free from the burden of negativity. That inner shift did it. And within months, we had a very different quality of relationship that literally endured until his death in March of 2001. Well, Teresa, this is a very chilling story. I'm sorry, I couldn't even say anything whilst you were saying the story because it was giving me the chills. But thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm sorry if I interrupted and if you have to go on, but I just had to say that. Well, I am delighted that it strikes you in the way that it continues to strike me every time I think about the story. And you know, the question that I took away from it, and I call it my one bold question, is whenever something is happen happening around me, I now say, in what way is this true about me too? 
So if I'm complaining about something, if I'm unhappy about something, if I'm upset, if I'm feeling ignored or discounted, I ask myself, in what way is this true about me too? Very intriguing. So that was 89. And then he passed away in 2001. Yes. So just because of that one quick experience, you then had a good chunk of time, quality time with him. Absolutely. I'm curious. Okay. Here's what I need to know. Maybe you don't even know the answer to that, but how did, how did that elevator ride? Like, where did that (laughs) enlightenment come from? That's a great question, you know, because everything is about the moment and then everything that led up to the moment. So I have had this philosophy that life is my teacher. And if I pay attention to the details of my life, they are what will teach me about the ways in which I'm buying into limiting beliefs, the ways in which I'm getting in my own way the ways in which I can give myself greater freedom and capacity. So I'm a person who has very intentionally over the course of her life, especially since my late 20s, worked to cultivate a relationship with my inner self, which I would also have be my spiritual self. And I listen to that witness, that energy, that spirit inside of me. So I'm always tuning in to what's happening externally and to what's happening internally and asking myself, what does this mean? What is this about? And so your internal self really gave you this lesson at the right moment in life. Absolutely. It used an experience I was having to teach me an important lesson. I have to tell you about this quote from Rumi. I love Rumi's quotes. And he said, be like melting snow. Wash yourself off yourself. (laughs) I love it. First, I didn't really understand this, Teresa. So I reached out to my brother, who is my interpreter of Rumi's quotes, (laughs) if I ever don't get it. I mean, I get most of it, but this one. And he explained to me so well. And he said, wash yourself off yourself is don't let you block you. Don't let your limiting beliefs get in the way of you wanting to get somewhere, not get somewhere, but also your goals and your targets. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, that gave me chills. I'm so glad you shared it. Thank you. Thank you. So basically what you're saying is because you always practiced being open to listening to that inside voice. Yes, where it caught you at the time that it needed to catch. Yes. And it will often like interject and tap me on the shoulder or whisper in my ear or give me a dream or something that tends to be illuminating and helpful, helpful. You know, part of my purpose in life, and I write a lot about the concept of purpose. In fact, my book, Lies That Limit, talks about how we get in the way of manifesting our purpose. My purpose is, this is going to sound hokey and crazy. It's to love everyone. That's my purpose. So wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, that's what I'm focused on being. And with my father in that moment, I was not aligned with my purpose. 
And my inner self knows that I want, I'm gonna cry, that I want that for myself. And so it gave me this insight, this awareness that I now can apply anywhere in my life about anything. So I can give you a funny example of it. Of course. So I live part-time in New Jersey and I have a lot of clients in New York. And so this happened some time ago. I'm driving from where I am, exit four on the New Jersey Turnpike up to the um, Lincoln Tunnel. And I'm in the fast lane, which is where I often am because I'm a peppy driver, a safe driver, but peppy. And I'm speeding along and all of a sudden this car is in front of me that's going very slowly. And I can't pass it because the right lane is blocked. So I push it just a little bit, you know, with the idea that maybe they'll look in their rear view mirror and notice and they themselves will move over, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. So finally the road was clear and I shifted to the middle lane and the car in front of me, the slow car shifted also. So then I shifted back to the left lane and the slow car shifted to the left lane. And then I shifted to the far right lane, traveling over two lanes. The car in front of me did the same thing. And by now I am in frustration and exasperation. And I think, what is this person doing? They're crazy. He looks like an erratic driver. And I had to laugh to myself because my question came back to me, Teresa, in what way is this true about you too? Well, to anyone around me, I had to look insane. I had to look like an erratic driver uh -huh. because in fact, I was driving erratically. So I think that anytime we can kind of pull back our negative judgments, pull back our projections and apply them to ourselves, and ask ourselves, is there any part of that thing that I'm annoyed about in the other person? Is it showing up in me also? And in what way? And I think we make more space for other people in the world to be who they are when we can do that. That in itself is so profound. I mean, I have to be honest, now that I'm listening to you, I don't practice it. But now <laughs> that you have made me aware of this, I will. I will ask that question. Yes. So I, I feel sure it will. I have to ask you a personal question. So you did start off the story by saying you never forgave your father. When did you do that? And how did that make you feel? It was a process, actually. And a lot of it involved the two of us sitting in conversation where I talked to him without judging him, but literally sharing with him my experience. And I remember one of those days I was at his house and I said, you know, I just want to talk to you about something. I said, I want to tell you how I felt as a child growing up with you as an alcoholic father. And he sat back, he listened, and he said, he said amazing things like, that must have been so hard for you. I'm so sorry I did that. You have no idea how much I love you. I mean, just like amazing things that bring tears to my eyes, even in this moment. So we had a series of conversations 
that help to clear out the clutter and clear out the baggage. But from that one conversation I'm referencing today, when I left his house, I'm confident that I didn't actually weigh any less, but I felt so much lighter, like the weight of whatever it was I'd been carrying for so many years was totally gone. Mm -hmm. And truly that weight never came back. We just kept cleaning and cleaning our relationship. And I was, I was literally, although it was painful, in joy with him during the last weeks of his life when I sat by his bedside and slept in his room at his bedside while he was making his transition. Like there was nothing more honorable for me to do and nothing more loving that I thought I could do for him than that. And that was all done with joy. It just seems like you got your happy childhood back. It came late, but you did get it. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I never thought of that, Hamida. Yes, I had my daddy. Yes. Yes. And he yes. had his daughter because like you said, you both needed the same thing. He just didn't know how to get you and you didn't know how to get him. But at the end, it just happened. At the end, it happened. It was totally beautiful. And I have one more story to tell you about that, if I may. Of course. This is a few days after his funeral service. And we had a deal that if he could come back and interact with me, he would. <laughs> So it's after the service and it's the first day that I've gone out on my own. My brother has gone home. I'm kind of just at my house, my husband and me, and I go to the store. And as I'm driving, I say to him, if you were satisfied with the decisions I made and everything I did, just let me find a penny heads up as I'm walking someplace today. Hamida, I found quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies everywhere I stepped that day. Heads up. I, heads up. And, and I still have a little, little pouch, a little plastic pouch that contains those gifts, that affirmation oh, from him. That is so amazing. Not only yes. did he give you an affirmation, he gave you affirmations tenfold. Tenfold. It was amazing everywhere I went that day. And I just had to laugh because it was an answer to the question, an answer to a prayer, and all stimulated by learning to ask that question. You know, we want the same thing. So in what way is that true about me? What I'm seeing in that other person, in what way is that true about me too? That's beautiful. Teresa, all those stories are personal. So thanks for sharing them. But definitely very profound. And so tell us about the life lessons mm. that you learned from them. Yeah. You know, I, I work with leaders a lot in my work as an executive coach, for example. And oftentimes I use this very same lesson without the story, unless it's someone who I think would value the story. And they will be complaining about their team and how the organization isn't moving at the pace they want or in the way they want, or people aren't listening, what have you. And I will say to them, so in what way are you not listening? So in what way are you not performing at the level you need to be performing? Because 
often if we can, if we can recalibrate ourselves and do a better job of self-mastery, self-management, we become more influential in any context in which we find ourselves. And therefore we get more of the results that we're aiming for. Okay, and this can I'm sure be applied not only in a professional setting, but it can be applied with any relationship, with spousal relationship, parent and child relationship. Absolutely. And the relationship with your parents, not only with your children, like you did. As that's right. That is right. In fact, my husband is very good at relaxing. He knows how to do it better than anyone I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there are times when I feel like I want more help. I want him to do this or that or the other thing. And he's not helping me. And I start in my head whining and complaining and fussing. And I'll stop myself and say, okay, you're complaining, saying you need help. In what way is it true that you are not giving yourself the help you need? Mm. And always the answer comes. It's usually that the help I need is to stop and rest. Or the help I need is to go to meditation. So I'm fussing about what the other is not doing for me when in fact it is me. I am not giving myself what I need. Yeah, I hear you. So it's applicable to all relationships and situations. And I also want to add, I named a few relationships, but I definitely want to add friends because that is the relationship that will always keep you going all through your life. And if there is something going on amongst friends, that is such a good question to ask. Yes, yes, yes. It, it kind of gets at ownership and accountability because it gets us to look at the part that I'm playing in the problem I'm experiencing. Yes, the part that I'm playing in the lack of satisfaction that I'm experiencing. I want to take this a step further, if you can just play along with me. So I have a teenager, okay? And so I guess you know where this is going. (laughs) Wonderful kid. He's so good, but he's a senior in high school and he has all of these pressures of applying to colleges, of making sure his grades are good. And so at points, he will push back. He will be fuming and fussing about things that I expect him to just do in the normal daily way of life. In that scenario, how would I use that question? It's a great question. So a couple of things strike me. One is, you could say, he's fuming and fussing and resisting. In what ways am I fuming and fussing and resisting? Mm -hmm. He's pushing back on me. Well, in what ways am I pushing on him? Mm -hmm. And it may just give you some insights about ways to try a different approach. I like you don't that. Give up on the goal, but you find a different approach that might be less pushy. I totally like that. Yeah. Thanks. So tell me, do we have any more life lessons to learn from you? Oh, 
gosh. <laughs> For me, everything in life is a lesson. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if there's any one thing that I would offer listeners, it is to see your life as teaching you everything it is you need to know about yourself and revealing to you all of the ways in which you need to, to grow and change. So if you're experiencing something that is not making you happy, just check in with yourself. What part am I playing in this? And what is this scenario trying to teach me? Trying to teach me, what is it showing me about myself? What opportunity is it offering me to learn something more about myself or to expand my repertoire in terms of how I'm able to respond to situations? Because we often get uh, into, we, we get grooved you know, we have a narrow range of ways of response. When this happens, I do this. When that happens, I do this. And if we can begin to question ourselves more, become more self-aware, in essence, we can find more space for expanding the range of options that we can develop for responses to various situations. Teresa, thank you so much for sharing with us the story of your dad. May his soul rest in peace. And I loved your story about his um, affirmations because I am always <laughs> looking for signs from the universe and many times I get them. And yes. so that, that so resonated with me and I loved that story. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your life lessons and hope to see you very soon. Thank you. I hope your guests will visit me at www.spiritofpurpose.com. Yes. And I will put that in the show notes, including the name of your book and the link to it, wherever they can buy it. All of that will be in the show notes for the listeners. Excellent. Thank you so much. Listeners, I hope you got a lot out of Teresa's story. I know I did. And I also found it fascinating that Teresa shared with us that she grew up in a slave shack that still exists in South Carolina. And here are the key takeaways that I got from what Teresa shared with us. One, if you are complaining about something, unhappy about something, or feeling upset, ignored, or dis discontented, ask yourself, in what way is this true about me? Two, life is our teacher. If we pay attention to the details of our lives, it will teach us the way in which we are buying into our limiting beliefs the way we are getting in our own way, and the ways in which we can give ourselves greater freedom. And three, ask yourself, what is the part that I am playing in the problem I am experiencing or in the lack of satisfaction that I'm experiencing? And this brings us to the end of this episode. Before I sign off, here is a fun fact. I released the first episode of Sharing Life Lessons on January 20, 2020. I'm releasing the last episode of season four, which is the 40th episode today. It has been a great journey. Thank you for being part of my journey. Thank you for all the support. And also thank you for riding out 2020 with me. Oh, what a year this has been. But as you know, that I got more than I envisioned in terms of the number of episodes. Things normally turn out better than I envision. And so for 2021, I envision peace. I envision love. I envision safety. 
and I envision better than normal pre-COVID conditions. I envision all of us getting together as one soul and one spirit. I will bring you the first episode of Season 5 of Sharing Life Lessons on Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. I assure you, it is going to be an intriguing episode because I am going to have a very detailed and deep conversation with Neil Walsh, the author of New York Times bestseller book, Conversations with God. It is one of my favorite books. It's always at my bedside. And so I hope to see you then. Until then, happy holidays, happy new year. Be happy, be safe, and be well.